Host Brian Holland here with the plugs. Just briefly this week, thanks to the very fine folks over at Midboss, we have some Steam keys to give away for the new game Read Only Memories. It is the first major LGBT cyberpunk adventure game of this scope and budget, featuring BAFTA-nominated voice actors Adam Harrington from The Wolf Among Us and League of Legends, and Dave Fenoy from Batman Arkham Knight, The Walking Dead, and Dota 2. And it also has an exclusive chiptune soundtrack by 2Mellow. So if you would like your chance to get your hands on one of these Steam keys, we have a few to give away. We are running a question and topic conversation. Uh, DVTs will remember that we've done these before. All you have to do is shoot us an email to thewinningagenda at gmail.com with a question or a topic that you'd like to hear us discuss. And our favourite one or the most innovative or interesting one will both get discussed on the show and uh, we'll shoot you out a free steam key so a free copy of read only memories thanks again to the fantastic people at midboss who have developed the game enjoy this week's episode of the winning agenda good evening and welcome to episode 54 of the winning agenda Tonight, our panellists include 2014 Australian National Champion and 2014 World's Top 16 competitor Jesse Marshall. Hello. 2015 Regionals Top 8 competitor Hollis Echo. Hello. And I'm your host, Brian <laughs> Holland. Uh, quiet, not a quiet one, but a, a smaller panel tonight, but we're going to talk about some very fun and interesting things. Uh, starting off, Jesse's uh, got an exciting deck tech for something that we haven't really brewed around with yet, which is uh, Data and Destiny. So, Jesse, what have you got for us? Yeah, so uh, we're going to be... Um going through data and destiny in more detail next week next episode so if you're looking for a i guess an in-depth discussion on every card you can tune in next week as well but what i'm going to be doing what we're going to be doing this episode is looking at one runner and one corp id from the box um, and a couple of decks that i've brewed up with them so these decks are both um i guess early drafts there's a lot of revisions that are going to go on these are just examples of things that i've been toying around with and there's some things i've been finding have been working well and some things that haven't so i'm going to run through all of that today uh so which one should we start off with brian i think uh i'm, I'm more interested to hear about the sunny deck yeah me too with. man all, all right sunny. all right so um sunny lebeau security specialist she's uh f- got 50 minimum deck size and 25 influence uh, and she's a mini, her own mini faction. She's one of the three mini factions in the box. So uh, she's got her own card pool in her mini faction. And of those cards, I think I'll run through which of those I'm playing first. Uh, so we've got the three Icebreakers, GS Sherman M3, GS Shrike M2, and GS Striker M1. Sherman, Shrike, and Strike. Yep. Try saying that five times fast. So they cost <laughs> uh, five, four, and three from the Sentry down to the Barrier Breaker. Uh, they're all one strength. They all need two credits to pump three strength and two credits to break any number of subroutines of their associated type. So how do you feel about that Breaker Suite? Uh, obviously, we talk about uh, a lot about you know efficiency, and they, these ones sort of remind me uh, a little bit of the Criminal Central-only suite in the sense of what it takes to actually pump them. So against larger ice, they can, they're more efficient. Um, but against something like a quandary or a paper wall, it's less efficient. So how are you feeling about it? Yeah, so they're sort of like switchblades in a sense in that you are breaking a lot of subroutines and the more subroutines on the ice, the more efficient they are, which is sort of the inverse of the way most icebreakers are. Um, But as you say, they're quite difficult to pump in strength. So to mitigate that, I've got three multi-threaders, which is another card from this box. It's from Adam's mini faction. It's a program, three to install, uh, 
gives you two recurring credits to use to pay for using programs. I believe uh, V Herman, when uh, we had uh, her on, mm-hmm. uh, and talking about her sending the deck, she was uh, playing multi-threader and, and that was going quite well for her as well. So Yeah, it's a very natural fit. Yeah. Um, so that helps you with that uh, the cost of using your icebreakers and data sucker is a natural include because it helps you to reduce strength you don't necessarily need to be reducing every ice to strength one but if you can reduce things so that they only need one pump that's quite an economic advantage so is only playing the one copy of data sucker uh, just a deck space choice there or is it because it's a secondary option i was playing uh self-modifying code which helped find the data sucker um and the I guess the lucky find is either three lucky find or two self-modifying code is, is an influence thing. So Desperado, R&D Interface, and Career Fair is the other influence. I guess we'll go through the splashes now. So I've got two Career Fair, which helps to pay for your daily cast on Earthrise Hotel. Three lucky find, which, as I said, have been alternating between three lucky find and two self-modifying code. Then you've got three Desperado as the console and two R&D Interface. So the one data sucker is a concession to influence uh and it's also able able to be found with self-modifying code if you are playing with that variant i replace self-modifying code with lucky find yeah yeah and uh, that was just an econ option because i imagine obviously when you're running these expensive breakers you need to have that extra money yeah so a lot of the time i was finding you know data sucker is useful um for getting past those bigger ice but you obviously you don't really need it early in the game a lot of the time where you're not facing ice with high strength um and the bigger problem i was finding was actually playing out the breakers in the first place and having a little bit of spare cash around for things like napd or you know in the early game as a runner you just need some credits to do things like trash assets or steal agendas so having some lucky finds in there in addition to the dirty laundry and sure gamble I was hoping just give a bit more burst, which it has. Um, And the the economy engine, which once you get it online is quite powerful, is Desperado, uh, John Masanori, Symmetrical Visage, Underworld Contacts, and Jack Sinclair. So I guess we might come back to Jack Sinclair because that's a... I was going to say, well, yeah, I was going to say there's two cards uh, in Sunny that uh, definitely make me, the more I look at Data and Destiny and get excited for its release, uh, I make, I'm more, most excited for Sunny out of all the runners. And that's because of Jack Sinclair and uh, also Global Sex Security Clearance. So why don't you talk to those two, if you like, you can start with Jack. Yeah, so Jack Sinclair uh, is a bit of an unconventional card. So it, it's a three-cost resource, but it costs one less for each link you have. Uh, so it costs one naturally with Sunny. And when your turn begins, you can make a run. You may not use programs during this run. Obviously very good in the early game. Yes. So good in the early game, good with Desperado and John Masanori, and good for punishing decks that want to go horizontal. And there are a lot of horizontal decks at the moment that are relying on Asset Econ. So Jack Sinclair will often allow you to just get in and get some free get a free click basically yeah base free clicks as we've talked about with max and uh, as kelvin touched on with uh, rachel beckman having an extra click on the turn can really do some crazy things mm. um, and then you've got global sex security clearance which i initially didn't have in the deck because i was sort of a little bit it's very unsure about how it would fit in but the effect oh, is just too powerful um it's crazy yeah, it's basically like you you get an access on R and D. Yes, so they've got. So the way I look at this card, Jesse, and you correct me if I'm wrong, toward the mid to late game when R and D is perhaps fairly expensive to get into, and you need to uh, really organise where you want your resources to go, you can use this card to look at the top card and see if it's 
obviously an agenda or something that you want to get in and trash and you can actually plan to spend your resources accordingly. Yeah. And given the fact that your icebreakers are quite expensive, if you can determine which of the next four or five turns is going to be the turn that you need to run R&D, that's so valuable. Um, and it's well worth losing the click every turn to be doing that. The art is very cool. And um, the restriction on it, I guess, which is worth mentioning is that you can only install it if you have two links. So Sunny's a, a natural fit. Uh, oh, the other thing that we didn't mention on the icebreakers is that they're all cloud breakers. So, so you can... I was, was going to say you can run multiple multi-threaders, right? Yeah, so they don't take any memory up uh, because you have two linkers, Sunny, so they're all uh, MU cost zero. And multi-threader is one memory. So it means that you can have three multi-threader and a data sucker in play. And even if you don't have your console out, your Desperado, which you don't want to not have out, but if, if you got into that situation, you could still have all those programs plus your full breaker suite, which is pretty cool. So with your R&D interfaces, uh, obviously playing... You know, the double and lucky find and some uh, qu- quite a lot of sort of fat breakers. Uh, is this going for more of a mid-range or control strategy? Yeah, so it's, with global sex security clearance, you can really get a pretty controlly situation happening where you can say to the runner, I'm seeing the top cardio deck. You can say to the corp. Sorry, you can say to the corp, I'm seeing the top cardio deck. I'm going to know when it's an agenda. I've got multi-threaders which are, and efficient, or not necessarily efficient, but very powerful breakers that are going to allow me to get in anywhere. So I'm going to know when I'm going to run, and as soon as there's gender on top, I'm going to go for it. So the core can play around that by having things like Jackson. But beyond that, it's a pretty strong situation to be in. It's like a soft R&D lock, if you like. Yeah. Um, so it's it's quite a controly deck because it wants to set up this large rig, a lot of resources, the whole Desperado John Mass suite, and then grind out a win through that just quickly as well you're just playing two of the career fairs is that so you can rush out your you know 19 resources <laughs> fairly early particularly earthrise hotel and daily casts i assume yeah so earthrise and daily casts are really integral well not integral but important parts of the economy engine and they can set you back a bit on tempo early so having the two career fairs is just a nice way to stop that from happening and maintain those credits early in the game so you can play out your breakers. I see in the deck list that you're actually running 3x of all the breakers, and that's because right now, even with all your card draw, you don't really have a tutor. I know a lot of the best decks that we see in the meta currently are running, you know, like available tutors that allow them to go get the breaker they need. Have you run into issues while playing this deck where, you, you know, even in, in spite of the card draw, in spite of having the 3x of each, that you're just unable to go grab the specific breaker you're looking for as a result? Yeah, so the thing that I found was that Getting one of all the breakers at some point early in the game isn't really difficult if you're playing three of each. Um, mm. But you can't, you don't really want to be playing less than three of each for a couple of reasons. I, I was playing three of each and two self modifying code, and I was finding that I was basically never using the self modifying code to get a breaker. But then if you play less than three of each breaker, the number of cards that you can then include that are good in the deck is reasonably low. Um, in terms of the opportunity cost there. Because Sunny only has a limited number of cards in her faction, then you've got the neutral card pool. I couldn't really think of cards that were better to play than the extra breakers at that point, if that makes sense. I mean, you could play another Global Sex Security Clearance, you could play the third Jack Sinclair, but I don't think that's great because you only want one of each of those at some point in the game, um, generally later in the case of Global Sex Security Clearance. Um, and, And in terms of the rest of the neutral card pool, there's not a lot that's really giving you heaps there. So, yeah, I guess I was finding, in terms of filling out the 50 deck slots, playing three breakers seemed like the best use of those slots. And then having the self-modifying code just felt like surplus at that point. Also, when you're talking about the 
uh, having three of each of the breakers. Mm. Sorry, I was in another window checking something. Sure. Uh, did you talk about how it was also good to play around because you don't have any recursion? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's no recursion in the deck. There's no clone chips. Uh, so if you do lose a breaker, I've lost it. Or... Yeah. So having a little bit of redundancy there is good. I, I was playing a Crypsis as well initially, just as sort of if I lost a breaker in play, then I'd have some way to recover. But I sort of thought with the str- the power of these breakers, you shouldn't be losing programs to program trashes all that often. I mean, there are a couple of program trashes that you can't really avoid, like Keegan Lane and Marcus Batty. But in terms of destroyers getting you, that shouldn't be it shouldn't be <laughs> happening that often. Um, yeah. So that just sort of felt like a concession to bad play a lot of the time. So I took the Crypsis mm-hmm. out. No, I mean this is, this looks like a really interesting deck list, and I like that it's a lot of the deck lists I've seen lately have had like you know the um, you know the modded play. I think it's interesting to go with Desperado. It kind of to me it sort of focuses the deck on being more aggressive and making runs that get those data sucker counters and utilize your your, um, your dirty laundries a little bit more. Um, with the rise of NEH and that, that specific horizontal style, um, and this is really just more conjecture, what do you think about maybe using a card like Bank Job also in place of like Lucky Find that would save you influence and would also stretch out your, um, your use of Desperado? Also has a bit of a use with... Jackson Claire as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great idea. Um, that toying around with influence is definitely something that can go on. As I was saying, those lucky finds are sort of the last six influence, and I think there's a myriad of different things that you could do better with that influence. Um, so I yeah, put it out to our listeners if you want to you know adapt this deck list to try a few different things based on this shell. Um, I think there are a lot of ways that it can be improved. So the next list we're going to talk about, Jesse, is your uh, oh, which one is it? It's New Angeles Salt. Mm list yeah uh geez i'm so excited for these new nbn identities like they all look really cool they're not necessarily all fantastic or as good as each other but they all look really interesting and, and really cool so new angeles city soul um new angeles city soul new angeles soul the the current agenda what's the ability on it yeah you can put it from archives or hq you can play a current from archives or hq whenever an agenda sto- scored or stolen so, so basically um what that means is that when you, as soon as you play the current, the current is going to stay there the entire time, so long as you have the credits to pay for the current to put it back into play with your ability. Um, so, what's your general game plan with this list then? So the the general game plan with this is it's based on surveillance sweep. So I've seen a few New Angeles Soul lists based on different currents because the idea is that assuming that you have the current reasonably early in the game and you have enough credits to keep playing it, it's going to be in play for the whole game, which is pretty cool. With the exception of if a runner plays a current, which doesn't happen all that often. Um, so if we're assuming that we're going to have our current in play all the time, what's a good effect that we can have? I wanted to try with Surveillance Sweep, which is a two-cost current. The runner must spend credits first for each trace attempt during a run. So it doesn't work with things like Sea Source or Mid-Seasons, those traces, but it works with traces on Ice and traces on Ash, other upgrades as well. Um, so... I wanted to try and make a deck that was utilizing the power of that with a lot of the tracer ice uh, to tag the runner. MBN hasn't swayed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, To tag the runner and then create a sort of hybrid between a fast advance aggressive strategy and a mid range Ash slash Keegan Lane strategy that gives you a bit of flexibility in how you score your agendas and then still has the Scorched Earth backup. Um, Something that. I think I might touch on first is actually in that operation section of the deck list, and that's the tag punishment. Um, so if you can manage to land a tag using your surveillance sweep traces and they don't clear it, you've got Scorched Earth, which is the best tag punishment there is because it kills them straight up. You've got Closed Accounts, which is really good against account siphon decks. Um, siphon spam, it means that you can... Yep. Uh, and then you've got the All-Seeing Eye, which is just 
an amazing card. Uh, it's a new one that's coming out in Data and Destiny. It's one cost operation, play only if the runner is tagged, trash all resources. The runner can remove one bad publicity to prevent this. So assuming they're not playing Valencia, if you can tag them, you can trash all their resources with one click and one credit. Which That's just one copy of that one, yeah? Yeah, so there's one copy of that. I was playing two. I think one or two is fine. Um, but it's just a really, really powerful card against a lot of the strategies that are out there at the moment, whether it's noise pancakes or if it's the DLR um, wireless net pavilion strategy. It just hoses them really hard. I also want to ask you about another card that I'm so excited about, Keegan Lane. Yeah, Keegan's been absolutely fantastic. Um, just uh, just quickly for those of uh, our listeners who perhaps haven't seen the full spoiler yet. Yeah, so it's a, it's a zero-cost uh, upgrade, zero-to-res upgrade, uh, three-to-trash, NBN3 influence. Trash, remove one tag, trash one program. Use this, only, use this ability only during a run on this server. Flavor text, Hollis, I am your father. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> um, so this is one of the a couple of cards in this box that uses tags as a resource for the corp, allows them to remove tags to give them a beneficial effect. I really like that. Um, and it, uh, so w- why only two? Is it just the deck space? So obviously you have to rely on your ice to tag them because you're not playing at mid seasons or uh, or a sea source. Uh, yeah. Or a sea source. So you, you've got no sort of proactive way to tag them. You kind of need to re- rely on the runner. Yeah. So given um, yeah. the cost of beating the traces on a lot of these ice is really high if the runner has to bid first so even a trace three on something like a news hound if they've got zero or one link and you've got a few credits and they've got a few credits the runner having to pay first just makes them so unlikely to beat that um and then you've got data ravens as well um and if you can get those traces running after they've already taken the tag and it's running where they have to bid first you're really likely to get that power counter so you get into a lot of situations where you're racking up tags with this deck because them allowing you to score through your emotes as NBN is just so ridiculously bad for them. Yeah. So yeah, getting the tags hasn't been such a problem. Um, I, I've found that most of the most games I'll get one, at least one by the middle of the game. And given that there are a lot of decks that are going tag me at the moment, a lot of them will just give them to themselves. And Keegan is just really fantastic because you can snipe away the eater or the keyhole against those decks. You can snipe away the Faust. Um, you can get rid of essential programs left, right, and center, and he's very flexible, and you can put him in the server, which is, you know, the, the pivotal server at that point in the game that they're very likely to run. So I'm really enjoying him. Playing three new sound, only two data, even. Why that split? Just for um, economy's sake, um, the deck, NBN is notoriously reasonably poor compared to the other factions, um, and this deck does struggle a little bit for economy you've only got sweeps week and hedge fund and then pad campaign I, I because you're trying to squeeze in things like keegan lane ash sand sand and the tag punishment the deck slots become really tight really quickly um so yeah economy is a little bit light on which means that playing three data raven is a little bit yeah. tough i just want to ask as well another one of the cards that i'm extremely excited about from this set is lily lockwell mm. uh, did you consider slipping her into the list somewhere definitely um she was one of the last cuts uh, there are only nine agendas in the deck, which means that there is a little bit more space. But yeah, I, I just wanted things like the all-seeing eye and closed accounts. And those are the sorts of things that you cut if you want to have things like Lily Lockwell in there. But I think yeah. in the metagame, the way it is at the moment, having that tag punishment, that versatile tag punishment is much more important. In terms of the ice, I, I was just going to say Newshound has an excellent synergy with New Angeles Soul. Newshound is one of the most pushed cards, I think, in power level in the in the box for NBN. Um, getting an end the run subroutine and a trace three to give a tag on a strength force entry for two credits 
is just such good value. Yeah, that is quite good. It's very feels very pushed. So I've been really loving Newshound. Um, and then, so that's fantastic on centrals. When you've got your surveillance sweep active, having a Newshound on a central says to them, you have to pay a lot of credits to get in here. Um, early in the game, most runners are going to struggle with a four, cent, four strength sentry with two subroutines. Have you found Turnpike? Turnpike, I've found to be quite good. Uh, it's a toss-up between Turnpike and Gutenberg. They're both very similar cards. Um, Gutenberg has more strength, so it's harder for them to break the subroutine. It's also more expensive to res, isn't it? Uh, no, it's two to res as well. Is it? Oh, okay. Um, and the, the trace is slightly better. Strength seven is just strength five on the trace. However, Gutenberg is only higher strength if it's on a on R&D. So Turnpike is slightly more flexible. Um, and Turnpike also has this on-encounter ability of the runner losing one credit, which synergizes quite well with the rest of the deck because you've got a few trashable cards um, and you've also got lots of traces. So denying the runner a few credits here and there can really make a difference. So between Turnpike and Gutenberg... It's a bit of a toss-up, but I've gone with Turnpike at the moment, partly because it's new and partly because of the on-encounter ability, which I like. And with the surveillance sweep active, I've taken Viper. It gets very, very good. Yeah. So Viper, yeah. again, is an efficient tracer that's even better when the runner has to bid first. Uh, Pachinko. Is that sometimes just... Because you mentioned halfway through the game, usually you get a tag. Uh, but is Pachinko sometimes just a pain because it's effectively not doing anything? Yeah, so sometimes it's blank, which sucks, but that's why I've got the 16 ice because there's a little bit of redundancy in the ice package so you can cover pachinko while it's not active but when it is active because the economy is so light there's no ice in the game that's going to give you as much stopping power as pachinko does a strength four barrier with two and the run subroutines for one credit it's outstanding value um so if the deck is geared around tag punishment and pachinko is just another card that punishes tags it punishes it by giving you a more secure remote than you'd otherwise be able to get. Did you consider at all playing uh, mid-seasons in this deck? Or is it just the economy too stifling to try and successfully pull it off? Yeah, the, the economy is just a bit light on and it doesn't really synergize with the rest of the cards in the deck. I mean, obviously it synergizes with the tag punishment. But the, yeah, yeah, there's not many agendas. Um, you're not building up credits. Uh, if they do steal... An agenda early, it's just so much more likely that your mid-seasons is going to be turned off. Yeah, you just need you need your credits on the places, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so with your three Astro Astro script, and you've still got two uh, Sand Sands as well, you're not quite going aggro by the looks of the list, so is this more of a mid-range strategy? Especially with the three Global Food Initiatives, you've got three five threes. Yeah, I'd, I'd say this is a pretty, like pure example of a mid-range list like it's still got some aggro elements because it's still giving yeah. you some aggressive options yeah this is a a pure mid-range deck in the sense that it's got those aggressive elements you've got astro script pilot program into the project bills in 15 minutes which gives you a traditional nbn fast advance route uh, through the san san city grid you've also got ash keegan lane and the pachinko tag them strategy which can allow you to develop in the mid game a reasonably taxing remote that's going to be hard for them to get through. So, yeah, you've got a remote plan and a fast advance plan, and it's all centered around trying to get maximum value out of your surveillance sweeps. Yeah, no, it looks really fun. Yeah. Has it been testing well? Yeah, I mean, I've been enjoying it. It's had reasonable success, mostly because people don't really know what's going on at this point when they see a new yeah. Angelus Sol on the other side of the table. Uh, but I have been really impressed by Newshound in particular and the power of that. And the, uh, the identity itself, having the current always active, is quite good. And the all-seeing eye has also been 
uh, won me a couple of games on its own. Shim, you really want that surveillance sweep as soon as possible. Is that something you're sort of mulliganing for? Not necessarily mulliganing for, but with three in the deck, you've got a, a pretty reasonable chance of seeing it early on. Yeah, I haven't had... I've only played sort of a handful of games with the deck at this point, maybe seven or eight games, but um, I've had no trouble getting surveillance sweep online in, in all of those. Um yeah, so I guess in summary, I'd say it's it's a fun deck. I've been enjoying it. It's not necessarily amazing at this point or better. That, it's definitely not better than Near Earth Hub Fast Advance, uh, but I think it's got a lot of potential and it showcases the power of a few of the new cards in Data and Destiny. I, I, really do, I don't really have any super big questions. I think actually Brian did a great job of asking really a lot of things that I had, but I uh, maybe just want to throw some things out and just have a, maybe a small, tiny discussion about it. So... Of course. Something that I think I'm enjoying about like the Soul ID the most is the fact that we're getting to this point now. If you go back maybe six months ago, to where you know having tags kind of was like a so what you know what I mean. If, if you're running protection, so you know if you're running protection from the scorch play, um, having tags is very much a meh sort of you know thing to have. Who cares? You know you're not going to die. Uh, you know you're well protected. You're not going to lose the game. I really am enjoying the way they've actually changed this up now for cards like Newtown and cards like Pachinko. Now going tag me or, or encountering ice with subroutines that, um, or effects that tag you first are way more punishing and way more debilitating than they, than they used to. Given that fact and knowing that basically now the runner with, these, you know, with the new cards we have are trying to make you um, are trying to tag you, I guess, more often now. What do you think about maybe throwing in a card like, or given that you're soul, what do you think about throwing in ELP? And because you can kind of basically throw that agent, throw that uh, current back into the game, further taxing the runner's clicks and their ability to make a run. It seems like once they kind of get permatagged, they'll just stay tagged for the game. So ELP may just put it over the edge now where it's like, okay, well, you're tagged, but now you encounter all these subroutines and it takes additional clicks. Yeah, so the I guess the slight um, benefit that you do still get from the surveillance sweep is the trace on Ash, which is cool. Um, in that they have to bid first for Ash. I mean, that's obviously they can then trash it after the first run, so that's not amazing. So yes, uh, in, in summary, I guess it would be cool to have another current in there, whether it's ELP or if it's... Uh, some people have been playing targeted marketing in this sort of deck, which is a good one, for sure. Yeah, uh, there, there's definitely space for another um, another. How often does Keegan fire? Very often. <laughs> yes, Very often. that's yeah. all I care about. That's the yeah. thing I care about the most. Keegan's the yeah, best. I think the, uh, may not be obvious, but for me and for some people I've spoken to, the most obvi- obvious direct comparison to Keegan is to Marcus Batty, and I, I do think Keegan's better. Like, Batty's obviously a bit more flexible, easier to set up, but I think the power of Keegan just to destroy anything is really, really powerful. It's Especially in earlier game. You don't, it doesn't require you to have a destroyer rezzed on, on the server, um, you can, which means you can protect something with, like, a quandary and res it and destroy their... Uh, Dakota. Particularly good with wraparound. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Keegan does not care about what you have to prevent the program destruction. Keegan only cares that you you get destroyed. That's all he cares about. I love it. Considering you're playing Scorched Earth, did you ever think about playing Breaking News instead of the 15 minutes? Yes. I really like 15 minutes. And, I mean, part of the motivation of putting this deck together was to try out as many of the cards from Data and Destiny that synergize well as possible. Um, And I've... Use 15 minutes ability twice, I think, both of which, ga- both in both those games, it was relevant. So, yeah, I mean, it's good. Is it better than breaking news? I don't know. But uh, as far as pulling its weight, it's definitely been doing that. But both are, good, both are good choices. As you say, there's a lot of synergy there with breaking news and all of the tag punishment as well. Have you had a lot of trouble scoring the Global Food Initiatives? Uh, yes, but I have scored 
one, I think, in the seven or eight games that I said I've played. You can do it with Astro Counters, Sansan, um, Installing Naked, with Ash, Keegan. There, there are ways to do it. Um, I guess what I wanted to do was design a deck where it was possible, not necessarily optimal, but it's you know reasonably possible to do it. Um, it's reasonably foreseeable that you could construct a situation where you can score one which you can do here. Yeah. On in summary, it's been performing reasonably well. As I said, I've been loving all the data and destiny cards in it. I think there's a heap of tinkering that you could do with this. This is very much a second draft of the deck. And if you wanted to move that scorched earth influence into other things or if you wanted to restructure the ice package or change the way you're tagging them, I think there's a million different directions you could go with this. One of the things I'm really excited about in Dino Destiny, and I think it was something we were talking about even, you know, a long long time before it was spoiled, was uh, giving the uh, opportunity for tags to do something other than just turn on the murder package um, and I'm really glad there's a lot of cards in this set that are, that are doing that the argument obviously is if you take the murder package out and you're still loading your opponent with tags which turns on all these other cards and cool effects is it not just better to be able to murder your opponent in that situation rather than prolong the game to do all these, do all these cool things for instance I know she's playing the pag campaigns we're talking about how you're having an issue with economy uh, w- one of the cards we always talk about for uh, the good immediate buff in economy is a mental health clinic and the most direct comparison we have that is reality 3d which is a zero to res six to trash illicit asset so when you res it you do have to take a bad pub but when your turn begins you gain a credit or two credits if the runner is tagged so do you think a card like that could make it into the list and would you ever consider maybe cutting the scorch to play more of these if tagged abilities and things like Keegan Lane or Lily Lockwell? Reality 3D is a tough one because mm. it... I, I want it to be good. Yeah. But obviously giving yourself multiple bad publicities mitigates the fact that it's got such a high trash cost. Yes. Um, bad publicity has anti-synergy with traces, obviously, exactly. as well. And yeah. it also turns off the all-seeing eye, which is mm. one of the best tag punishment cards oh, in the deck. So yeah. that's why I steered away from that. Um, and I think, yeah, that bad pub nombo with the all-seeing eye is probably going to keep it out of a lot of decks unfortunately because the all-seeing eye is really good it's really good yeah and uh does anyone have any thoughts on what i said about cutting scorch to turn on other things but it's just better to play the murder package anyway oh i mean that's that's why i've got it in there absolutely i i didn't have it in there and i was trying to construct it around this all the new tag punishment and then i was like all that stuff's good but sometimes having a scorched is just better so if you don't have it in your deck you're probably missing out hollis thoughts um, I'll probably just like drop the scorch and put in two bad times, and I think. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think the scorch package is fine, primarily because it's just as Jesse said, and, and you know, as we've seen, like in Wayland decks, for example, if you don't run the scorch package, you really are limiting yourself because part of the reason why you can, I guess, hedge an advantage over the runner is that they have to kind of be fearful or and respect the fact that scorch is a legitimate threat, and I kind of feel that some way about this deck as it is mid range. To prevent them from going high, you know, hyper aggression, even with even with going tag me, having like scorch in the game, uh, pretty much makes it so it's you have to respect it. So sometimes you need to be careful when you don't want to be, and that that window is really what allow you to score agendas or kill the runner or do a lot of things. I, I'm really excited to test this list. Uh, although I must say that one of the first things I'll be looking for is um, probably trying to test it with Lily Lockwell. I think her ability to tutor up. Uh, it's not a full tutor though, is it? It's a it's a VT, right? They put it on top of the deck. Uh, Lily Lockwell. When you, you res Lily Lockwell, draw you three draw cards. Three. Uh, click, remove one tag. Search R and D for an operation. And put it on the top. Reveal it, 
and shuffle the rest mm. of R&D. Yep, add to the tap. Yeah. You are correct. The ability to you know, tutor up an operation, even though you're still putting it on top of your deck, uh, is really, really good, I think, especially when, uh, like, we, we see this kind of thing in uh, Wayland, using Atlas to tutor up part of the Scorch package that you need. Obviously, you have to remove one of the tags, so if you've got multiple tags in your opponent, that's the best way to do it. But also, um, we're talking about the importance of having these surveillance sweeps, and or maybe when you want that all-seeing eye and things like that. Uh, also, just her ability to, when you res her, draw three, you might hit the card you want in the first three anyway, particularly if you're playing multiple of them so uh, I obviously understand your reasons for needing to cut it like deck spaces tie you need to make the concessions where you can but um, I'm going to test this list out as it is and then see if I can fit her in there because I also just want it to be really good yeah. so we'll find out the more new cards the better at this point exactly yeah. right uh, any closing thoughts Hollis or Jesse I actually think that um, out of the, all the new IDs the two that I'm respecting the most I believe are going to are end up, ended up being Soul and uh, the uh, Spark Agency the other one well Whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I really think that, you know, go, especially going into Worlds now, because, you know, we're about to approach that, you know, in the next month, it's, re- it's really interesting to me. I think it's going to be really interesting to see if anybody that's going to be playing there is going to take a dive and try something that, you know, that is going to be so new and fresh. Granted, we may have had the cards available online for a little bit now. Um, and we may have had spoilers for a while, but I don't, I'm not really confident a lot of people have played it. I think a deck like this, because it's sort of a wild card, is probably in a really good spot, as well as other decks that are you know, going to be kind of new and fresh that people haven't, or don't have experience with, uh, playing against. So I'm, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see it. That's all the time we have for The Winning Agenda this week. If you want to get in contact with us, you can hit us up at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can check us out on Twitter at Winning Agenda, or you can go on and like our like page on Twitter, uh, on Facebook, rather, The Winning Agenda. We'll be back next Monday, as always, and we look forward to hearing from each and every one of you. So thanks so much, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for your support. Cheers.